0: Hey, Kim here. Quick update before you dive into this episode. We've changed the name of our podcast to Rooted in Tomorrow. It's a nod to our shared history and the bright future of our cooperative system. So if you get later in the series to our 22nd episode, you'll notice the change. But most importantly, it won't affect you as a listener or a subscriber. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode.
1: Everybody is in it for one goal and one goal only, and it's, and it's just to, to keep our food supply going. And it's and really that pride of working for the farmer and being able to bring their products to market. And the amount of people that have really gone above and beyond to, to rise up to, to the greater challenge and put any personal goals or objectives aside and really just look for the greater good has, has been unprecedented.
0: About the work that you do what makes it meaningful is it the results or is it the process or is it the promise of something greater being a cooperative means we're in this together to build a sustainable future and feed human progress this is something greater a podcast by lando lakes inc i'm kim olson follow along with us as we bring you the stories and voices that impact our shared community a couple of months. We've been on a bit of a break as things have been upended for us just as they have been for you. And so we're doing something different. We're recording remotely. We're not in a studio together as we usually are. Think of us as doing this podcast just how many of you are working from home and conducting your own meetings. With the world in the midst of a pandemic, there isn't a single one of us who's not feeling the effects in some way, whether it's your health, your job, your families, or your community. With 10,000 employees around our country and nearly 4,000 member owners, Land O'Lakes has not only a responsibility to protect its network of workers and farmers, but we have to continue to feed the nation when the food supply is deemed an essential service. That is a delicate balance. As most of the country has shut down and people are finding new ways of working, in some ways it's business as usual for us, in the most unusual of circumstances. Today we're going to break it down and share some stories of our employees continuing to feed the nation. Mark Short is the Vice President of Operations and Supply Chain at Land O'Lakes. To put it simply, his team are the people that are making sure the food we produce is getting to all the right places. Now Brad Truell is the Senior Director of Manufacturing at Land O'Lakes. He works hand in hand with Land O'Lakes plants around the country, which have continued to run through this national pandemic to help keep that food on your table. All right, welcome everybody to Something Greater. We are taping a little bit differently uh, today as everybody's doing um, everything a little bit differently, it seems. Uh, Previously, we had been in the room together and we would tape our uh, podcast, and now like everybody else, um, we have... uh, been working from home, and um, we are taping in three separate locations, my guest and I this morning. So um, asking your patience, we are all learning as we're going along, and it feels a little bit like a morning show, so I'm kind of excited. A uh, little bit radio, a little more radio than um, than we've had in the past, so um, that's fun. We're going to have an interesting conversation today. We've got uh, Mark Short on with us, who is our Vice President of Operations and Supply Chain, Atlanta Lakes, and we've got Brad Truel, who is the senior director of manufacturing at Atlanta Lakes. So, welcome to you both. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh no,
1: thank you. It's a great opportunity to talk and share a pretty incredible story.
0: Well, we're excited to excited to tell that story. you know, supply chain, right? I, I remember um, back in the early days of my career, those weren't words that we, uh, we used. And then if you went to a cocktail party, you sort of had to explain, oh, supply chain, this is what this is. Now I feel like because of the uh, the pandemic, certainly um, those words are coming into uh, to common, uh, common language. Everybody kind of knows um, supply chain, right? Do you guys feel that way?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I know a lot of our friends and stuff are asking me all the time, how's your supply chain going? And some of the lingo they use now kind of surprises me, right? I'm like, well, I didn't even know you knew that term. It's really cool. So yeah, I think I think people are definitely learning a lot more about supply chain and a lot more about uh, how things work uh, throughout that network.
0: Well, maybe let's start there, Mark, and then Brad, I'll ask you to um, to kind of uh, fill out um a bit more of your daily experience, Mark. Let's let's just talk about supply chain itself. So, uh, above and beyond cocktail party talk, um, what uh, what is it? You know, how does it function? Um, especially maybe in a time like this.
1: Yeah, sure. You know, a lot of times I say supply chain. It's really the people business, right? If you if you think about supply chain, it's a really large collaborative network of many moving parts, and so it's it's really built out of a lot of different teams we have folks like milk sourcing and procurement that look after getting us all of the materials we need in order to manufacture something you have teams like the warehouse that store our raw materials and our finished goods you've got people in planning and engineering that help in the infrastructure behind the scenes transportation that moves our goods and then of course the part that uh, brad and i are intimately involved in which is the manufacturing locations which is Really, where the magic happens, right? That's where we take our members' milk and we turn it into all of those products that consumers uh, know and love. And so it's it is, but it's that interconnection and it's that teamwork between all of it that that really makes it
2: possible.
0: So, um, Brad, what does a uh, an average day look like for you?
2: Yeah, no, that's a great. Uh, a great question, Kim. And you know what I've learned through this COVID environment the last eight weeks is that there's no such thing as an average day. You know, be, <laughs> I bet. <laughs> be, yeah. You know, before uh, COVID, you know, one of the things that um, I think anybody that works in manufacturing would thrive on would be the um, the unpredictability and the ch- and the chance to come in and and uh, you know work on any variety of different challenges and, and opportunities in the course of a day. And I think with COVID, because things were changing so rapidly, um, you know, we just kind of went into this, uh, this new normal of just being very fluid and being very collaborative. And I think that's really been the key to our success in getting through this environment so far. And I think it'll be the key to us going forward is to continue to be agile and, and flexible with uh, the challenges coming our way.
0: I appreciate that. I um agility is uh being demonstrated, I think, in a lot of places in the company, but um particularly and uh perhaps uh first and most intensely in your area. Um Mark, let's let's kind of take a step back and look at um at your career a bit. Uh, you've worked at some really big companies, you've you know been in it for 30 years, Duracell, PPG, S. C. Johnson. Um I I imagine you've dealt with some significant issues. I'm a woman of a certain age, so I look back and I'm like, you know, this, we'll get through this. Um, And I've been comparing my experiences over the years. Um, How does the COVID 19 uh, experience um, compare to some of the things that you've been through in your career?
1: I don't think it does. You know, I think this is probably one of the largest challenges supply chains have ever faced globally. When, you know, there's there's always been issues we've had to deal with in supply chain, whether it be storms or weather or uh, supply interruption, uh, government politics, et cetera. But this is such a unique issue um, because it's so personal to everybody. You know, you think about COVID, it's, it definitely impacts everybody differently. And so it's hard to say you, you understand because everybody is dealing with something different. And so it doesn't just deal at the at the supply chain level. It also deals at the human and the personal level. And there's a lot of people struggling right now out there. And there's a lot of teams that are struggling out there as well. And so it's it's really a unique challenge because of that, this quote unquote new normal, where you're really focusing hard on keeping your people safe, but at the same time, understand the criticality of the nation's food supply and, and the need to keep these plants running in order to keep food on the shelves um, which is which is very unique a lot of times in supply chain challenges it's not about people safety right it's just purely about getting the supply chain done and doing what you need to do in order to deliver.
0: So, Mark, tell me, um, is this, uh, operating a supply chain in this kind of a situation, um, similar to anything you've been through before in
1: your 30 year career? Uh no, it's it's definitely a very very unique situation, you know, especially when people call this the the new normal. I think, you know, you've got a couple of different challenges coming at you with this. The first one is that this is personal for everybody. And so everybody has their own unique set of personal challenges. And so when you're managing the supply chain, you've got to be respectful and understand all of the different needs of your people and of all of your employees. And usually in supply chain situations when you've got issues, it's, it's all about one thing, it's about demand. But here you're balancing, you've got these unprecedented spikes in demands with these consumers doing panic buying and things coupled with the the need to keep your people safe. And it's that overlapping piece of both supply, demand and personal safety of your employees and, you, and the criticality of keeping your people safe that makes this mm. so unique like nothing I've ever seen before.
0: Yeah, I... I the the safety of, um, employees has, has been paramount. And I know, um, we've got a great safety record going back and, uh, that's always been of primary importance to you all, but it really takes on a whole different meaning. Now, how, how about you, Brett, anything over your years of experience that, um, is similar to this or, um, you're learning, uh, lessons from, uh, from things you've been through before?
2: Yeah, you know, I I would agree with how Mark framed that up. You know, there's really nothing similar. Um, You know, when I think about, uh, you know, my career and things that I've experienced, there were either like company challenges or maybe a a challenge within a a particular industry or something like that that we worked through or something local. But with the national pandemic, something that none of us have, have ever lived through, it just affected everybody. And it's not not just in the United States, but, you know, over the world. And as Mark pointed out, uh, you know, our our plants are really driven by our people.
0: Across the country, Land O'Lakes Inc. has more than 300 plants, manufacturing facilities, retailers, and local cooperatives. Each of them is a part of a food system keeping the grocery stores stocked, farm animals healthy and fed, and the farmers supplied with the seeds to plant a new crop this spring. As a cooperative, we have always been about doing things together. And now as connection has been disrupted, people are finding that connection in new ways, especially our frontline workers.
2: At the end of the day, you know, plants are really, you know, team-based environments. I mean, that's really what what drives the most, the most successful plants. So I think the, what's really amazed me and i think what's gotten us through the pandemic and through covid has been the adaptability of how quickly our folks have found new ways to collaborate and you know we've adapted to things like what we're doing right now today right i mean getting on a yeah. on a webex and and it can seem sort of funny but one quick example would be like if you think of a of an office setting or or a a department in a plant where it would be natural to bring people together and hey let's have a quick huddle or a quick team meeting and all of a sudden now with social distancing we're saying well hold on a minute i'll, I'll uh, we'll get on a webex or we'll um we'll put something up on a computer screen to share information so we we've uh, adapted quickly and i think that's been a key to to our success
0: yeah that's that's great to hear i got to tell you i'm a hugger so this is uh for we are not okay. Um that that just that base human contact um is really, really difficult uh to to miss. And when you talk about your coworkers, um you have to find ways to make that human connection. Um and I know from a, a safety uh perspective with, you know, people being asked to stay at home, um, many drivers and workers in manufacturing and food production, they're still going to work. So, um, Mark, maybe you can speak to how do you manage um, still needing to keep the shelves stocked, um, but also, you know, wanting and uh, prioritizing keeping your, um, your workers safe. I know you've made some real specific uh, steps in that direction.
1: Yeah, you know, when this when this first hit, that was our that was our biggest challenge. We started with just safety first and, you know, went back to our core principles as it, as it aligns with that. And uh so it's it's a journey. Uh we're learning every day and we continue to put more and more safety measures in place. We you know, some of the things that have been very successful for us, we've certainly got increased cleaning and things like that in each of the areas, but we've also been able to provide all our people with masks, which on the surface may sound simple, but was a very difficult and complex situation from a procurement of trying to get enough supply for 80 plus plants around your network and things like that. We also um, have put zones in place. And so there's only so many people that can work in a, in a separate zone. So we, we can, keep, uh, we can keep exposure down. Uh, we've got uh, on-site uh, temperature testing in a lot of our hot zones. So where we've got a plant uh, that's in a region that's experiencing a lot of COVID, we have nurses on-site taking temperatures and asking people for, um, for, their, uh, for their background as to how they're feeling that day, et cetera. The, uh, the other thing we're kind of uh, investigating right now, which is interesting, is a new RFID technology whereby uh, you wear a watch and it beeps if you come within six feet of contact of somebody else on the floor. And so we're working with a company right now to, to look at running a few pilots, uh, one in our warehouse and one in our manufacturing location as well. I think the other things we've been doing, another one is recognizing our people. And so, you know, we're, uh, we put in place a $2 an hour uh, premium just to say thank you right? Because they are going above and beyond. There are frontline workers, right? Everybody uh, has frontline workers and they're ours. And so, you know, we're very appreciative of everything that they do every day and the way they come to work, show up and really deliver on the nation's food supply. So we've been, we've put that in place, but then we also make sure we look after our people. So we've got uh, an expanded two week leave so that if people do need help, whether that be for COVID exposure, COVID symptoms, or even for something like childcare. Things like childcare mm-hmm. are very difficult right now in a working family. Um, a lot of people don't feel safe to send their children to daycares and things like that, and so need to stay at home to look after people. So we've got an expanded leave policy in place just to make sure we look after our folks as well.
0: Interesting, uh, Mark, as you talk about um, the uh, work we do and our frontline employees being essential, Um, early on, we were categorized as essential. And and part of that is that the food supply is a pillar of our national security. Um, It's an essential item. It's deemed so by the federal government in this pandemic. You know, our grocery stores remain open. um, But in order to Fill the grocery stores. um, Farmers and our manufacturing workers, um, they still need to produce food. So maybe you could both kind of speak a little bit to how that's been um, specifically challenging in uh, in this type of environment
1: yeah i think it's it's been very difficult it's been very difficult for the farmers first and foremost right trying to bring uh the products to market if you if you think about our farmer of today they're very emotionally connected uh, to the food supply and to what they do, and they're very proud of what they do, and so they should be and so it's it's very difficult for them trying to bring everything to market because if you think of our supply chain a lot of what a lot of people don't understand is that there's manufacturing is dedicated to products, and so we've seen huge swings in our supply chain whereby we've seen. Um, our retail business going up significantly, but our food service business as people don't eat out, et cetera, and as restaurants have closed down specifically. So some plants are dedicated to a certain product that goes into a certain industry. So people get confused when they when they hear things like we have no outlet for our product as a farmer. And it's because there's certain plants that are dedicated to make certain products at a retail level that are just over capacity. And then there's other plants that are idle right now because no one's buying large blocks of cheese that wouldn't typically go to a restaurant or, or other areas. And and so it's that imbalance in the supply chain, I think, that makes it so difficult for the farmer to bring their products to market. Um, and is putting a lot of stress back on our members and back on our farmers. Um, one yeah. of the things I'm really proud of is is how we've been able to manage our our milk uh, our milk sourcing team and our plants have been able to partner together with uh, other external sources to be able to move all our members' milk around because that in itself has been just a just a huge difficult task but but a very important one nevertheless.
0: Um, I, Brad, tell me is um is I don't know if is supply chain and food supply kind of having a moment? It it's. Um, often uncomfortable to get this much attention on um something, but it is so critical. And, you know, we want to make sure that um we're we're telling the story uh when people are interested.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I really think so, Kim. I, I mean I think it is a moment. I think that um there's points in, in our life and points in our career that we can kind of reflect back on and say, you know, wow, that was a that was an amazing time, and um, through through all the complexity and and uh, all the things that Mark just kind of spoke to in terms of the supply chain. I mean, it's a, it, it is very complex, and there's many many stress points that that we navigate over over the course of the day. I kind of use the analogy like we're only as strong as our weakest link, so to speak, and that there's. Um, uh, you know, to me, it's the the ultimate team experience is being able to go from the farmer field all the way to the uh, the pantry or the or the kitchen of our of our consumers. And you know, we've we've been able to overcome uh, you know just a, a lot of challenges with uh, the logistics and warehousing and the manufacturing, the conversion process. So it's been, I think, an amazing time where people have you know really really stepped up and. You know, at the end of the day, to me, that's the key in our in our manufacturing plants. Is it's the the people that have um, you know been able to continue to come in and and uh, and stay safe, and we've been able to put in you know good good protocols to keep mm-hmm. people safe, and we've we've been able to uh, run with uh, you know minimal interruption. Not not without challenge, for sure, right? Yeah. But uh, but we've been able to do it with. Uh, with good speed and good agility, yeah
0: certainly we're we're seeing that um, and that's that's been uh, a challenge for all businesses in uh, in food um now the the food supply is certainly safe, um, but distribution is a you know significant extremely challenging kind of place so mark um, despite the food supply being an essential service, transporting it is is still a challenge, you know, so we've talked a bit about um, what happens in the uh, in the plants we've talked a bit about what happens in the grocery store, but there's a lot of road between right um, so you know what's what's kind of the new normal there uh, getting food to the stores
1: I, I think the new normal is agility uh you know one of the things I will say is i've been very impressed with uh, my partners in the supply chain and their ability to flex. Uh, We're seeing a couple of things. We're we're seeing an ebb and flow in demand. So we we definitely early on had some major peaks and challenges in getting transportation and getting trucking. Uh, Then as things started to slow down and certain uh, non-essential industries came offline, trucking opened back up again. Uh, Certainly anticipating that there will be more demand spikes down the road same thing with warehousing as we as we try to uh, as we try to position our warehouses close to where we need in the food supply we've had uh, warehouses that have been full and we've had to move things around from a warehouse. Um, location perspective so warehousing has also uh, been a significant uh, challenge as well as we've been uh, as we've been managing through this but the teams have been doing an excellent job and you know we really have been able to to manage through a lot of the logistical challenges
0: interesting i it's you know what what you hear in um broad media right now in, in conversation is uh about panic buying whether it's um you know lysol or toilet paper or uh, you know, some of the food products. Um, some people are anticipating a food shortage. Uh, what's your, what's your perspective on that? Is there a shortage from, from what you've been seeing? And I, I would imagine, um, you all have a tight, uh, tight knit community as far as others that are dealing with supply chain. What are you hearing out there from, um, from your network?
1: Well well, certainly, from a personal perspective've uh, i 've experienced panic buying as my my wife comes home and says, "Still no toilet paper on the shelf and you just <laughs> look and you 're amazed right um, th- these These type of panic buying behaviors uh, certainly uh, put a lot of stress on a supply chain if you If you think of a simple example like the toilet paper um People are not going to use more or less toilet paper in a year. They're going to use what they're going to use. And so what they've done is is by this panic buying is put an unprecedented stress on those manufacturers that they have to build such a large peak of it in such a short period of time. But then they're going to have trouble from a workforce perspective as that peak as people have stocked up and then they're not resupplying for a while. And so the, these, these ebbs and flows in demand is, is definitely one of supply chain's worst enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is certainly enough food in the food supply. And I think the biggest issue overall is more consumer buying habits right now and the the panic buying that goes on that drives those spikes in demand. That's what really makes it tough for manufacturers. Um, But there's certainly there is certainly enough um, to to go around. And certainly a lot of the I've had a lot of peer conversations with um, other executives and other food companies. And we've been sharing uh, how we keep our people safe and what processes we've been doing, et cetera. And they're all very much experiencing the same things we are where we've got the product and we can bring it to the market shelf. But we're dealing with that complexity of the demand spikes
0: Oh, interesting. I do, so it kind of comes back to what we were saying at the beginning of the conversation. There's the, You've had um, demand go through the roof before or, you know, go through the roof and then dip in a supply chain kind of career. But what we're seeing here is the combination of a demand spike um, with a workforce, an inherent national Workforce concern, both on safety and on um, continuity. And uh, that's uh, that's a tricky balance, yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely! You know Murphy's law is in in place, right? So it's that whole idea of when demand spikes. Unfortunately, sometimes that's when you may have a workforce that's dealing with more issues, whether it be childcare or COVID exposure or things like that. So then your labor force is dwindling at the same time, and so it, it's very it's very difficult at times to uh, to manage through that. But I'm just so proud of all of our teams. They have they've really stepped up. I would I would say in the plants. Especially, but also in the rest of our supply chain, um, they've taken the nation's food supply very personally, and they take it very personally. Mm-hmm. And there's some amazing stories out there of of people that are going above and beyond, um, that show up every day uh, in order to make sure that we do have the food supply, and are and are working hard hours, and, and are putting in a lot of a lot of work.
0: Um, Brad, when this pandemic hit. What were I'm trying to uh, think about what uh, my mind would go through uh, if I were in your seat? Was there a set of questions you were asking to kind of figure out how do you protect uh, your employees and um, keep operating at the same time?
2: Yeah, you, you know, a- absolutely, there was Kim, and you know, but we we had to figure it out pretty quick because there wasn't a study guide, there wasn't really a textbook for a pandemic and, and you know, everything that we were going to encounter. But, you know, I think that, you know, we just went back to our, to our core values and, and some things that we've already kind of touched on, which is, you know, whether it was before COVID or during COVID, you know, every day we start with talking about our people and keeping our people safe. And so in a non-COVID environment, that means things like, you know, safety protocols and and uh, procedures and things like that so that people can go home to their families safe every single day. So it was, I think, the application of those same concepts in a COVID environment to say, okay, now what do we have to do? And, Mm -hmm. you know, as the virus started to spread, um, you know, we had a a lot of reminders, not just at work, but, you know, as people were dealing with You know, Mark touched on a few of them earlier, you know, childcare and community spread. And, you know, we, we have some plants that are in some, in some hotspots. And so there's a lot of, a lot of different motivators for people to, um, to really get to where we, where we needed to be. So it was just really, um trying to put our people first. And, you know, we learned about, uh, you know, t- terms like social distancing and, and different behaviors related to that. Mark touched on, on a, a concept called zoning, which is uh, mm-hmm. a, a, a technique in our plants where we basically said, you know, let's, let's um, try to compartmentalize, and, you know, kind of subgroup people into smaller work teams and, and again, this goes against a lot of what we do on our plants where we talk about collaboration and huddles and, and things like that. But what we mm-hmm. learned in, and through COVID is, you know, we've got to try to minimize our exposure and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so we, we said, okay, let's, let's kind of put folks in sub teams and, and, uh, and, and through that, we were able to, you know, have a, have a better chance at keeping our people safe um, that coupled with social distancing, um, you know, wearing masks, more sanitation. You know, we did things like staggering start times of our shifts. And our and again, our people were great about being flexible with these things because when we staggered start times of shifts, we would try to minimize that, that massive group of people just kind of, whether it's in locker rooms or at the time clock, just trying to kind of spread people out and and think creatively about you know like even simple things like taking breaks and lunches and and trying to trying to just have people be at a distance and and it was a i mean it was a learning process for sure you know and i think it's probably yeah. fair to say that you know there were some challenges just operationally and and you know we we um we worked through all that and uh, you know i think we've again our folks we adapted quickly And, uh, you know, and we're continuing to learn every day.
0: Um, we always end our podcast by asking our guests, what does something greater the phrase mean to you? Uh,
2: you know, to me, something greater means that, you know, every single day, each one of us, we show up to work, uh, around the country and we share this common belief that we can be better. You know, we can be better today than we were yesterday. It's, um, it's a spirit of continuous improvement and it's something that we talk about in our plants. Um, you know, I know that's something that's important in the field on the farm and you know, every, everywhere in between. And you know, that's, that's what something greater means to me.
1: You know, for me, I, th- I think it was one of the reasons why I joined Land O'Lakes to begin with. You know, I've worked in uh, a number of industries, uh, both some privately held companies, some publicly traded companies, but you're always working at the end of the day for a shareholder or you're working uh, for somebody that's very wealthy. Coming over to Land O'Lakes, something greater to me really plays out in that I'm, I'm working for a greater purpose. And it's that greater purpose is the farmer. You think about, every activity you do, you can tie that back into middle class America and into these hardworking people and their families. And you know that you're making a difference for them. And at the same time, you're bringing those products to the shelf and you know that you're making a difference for people as well. So I think it just provides such a wonderful purpose to what you do. Um, And I think it drives a wonderful purpose for the organization and it makes you proud to be a member of Land O'Lakes and it makes you feel proud to be a member of the co-op. And so for me, it's all about that working for something greater than yourself and working for something greater than profits, um, which is just, which is really motivating.
0: The Land O'Lakes Something Greater podcast is delivered monthly via our Member Connections newsletter or on our website. Just go to landorlegsync.com, then click on members at the top right. We're also available wherever you find your podcasts.